Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. I hear the whispers well, thank you for joining me. So glad that you are sharing your time with me today. And we are talking a lot about gratefulness and gratitude and those two very precious words of thank you. And if you missed Monday and Tuesday, we talked at length about really the physical effects of being grateful and how it translates in, it's like a wave and how it emanates out and how contagious the word thank you is and being grateful is and how it calms down the central nervous system and it causes people to not be living in that fight, flight, or freeze mode where everything, they're on defense of everything. And so the other thing that we want to understand is what really is the opposite of gratefulness. And the opposite of gratefulness is envy. And that is a very, very serious issue. This whole idea of envy and what it does to our soul, what it does to our heart, what it does to our, um, our, our complete emotional realm. And why this would be so powerful when God talks to us about envy. And envy leads to despair and to weariness. And so I love, I, I love this idea, you know, these, these verses. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 4. And this is the New International Version. And it says, And I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. The New Living Translation says, Then I observed that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. But this too is meaningless, like chasing the wind. So what Solomon was understanding, because he had everything, he had everything, but not really. Because the things that he owned and the opulence he lived in and the wisdom, he was smarter, more wise than any person ever noted. But relationship is one of those things you can't force and you can't make happen. And so we get caught in this trap of envy and jealousy because we think, well, if I had that, if I had what they had, if I looked the way they looked, if I had the money they did, the network that they had, then I would be this. Then people would love me. And we compare ourselves constantly to those around us. And as we compare ourselves, we're either going to be in a one-up or a one-down. If we're in a one-up, then we feel arrogant and prideful. If we're in a one-down, then we feel envious. We feel less than. We don't like ourselves, And we feel like we are losing. And that then that leads to this feeling that I should I should have that. I should have this. I should have that person. Why do they get it and I don't get it? 
And we continue to compare what we have to what they have. So it's constantly a winning or a losing game. And it's futile. It's futile. So I like what um, Pastor Andy Stanley, he, now I did not know that he coined this, but I think it's phenomenal. And he talks about the land of Ur and the Isle of Est. So the land of Ur is prettier, smarter, happier, richer. So when we are trying to find the land of Ur to be more than someone, even if we are more than, then we get enticed to find the Isle of Est or the island of Est, which is, instead of being prettier, it's prettiest. Instead of being richer, it's richest. Right? It's chasing after the wind. It's the enemy dangling the carrot in front of us. It fans our pride. It causes us to, to be competitive and fall into that comparison trap. And so we want to really reorient ourselves to be grateful for what other people have. Because many times when we look from the outside to their life, so we're inside looking at the outside of their life, we may think that everything is great. And then you come to find that they're in my office because they want to kill themselves. So no matter how much money, no matter how beautiful, no matter how popular, Whatever it may seem that they have that is er, richer, richest, are they grateful for it? And is everybody around them jealous of it? So nobody's enjoying any of it. So it's important that we understand that contentment is not achieving all we want, but it's acknowledging all that we have. So what happens to your outlook? Or your mood. You get upside down. And you're seeing all you don't have versus all you do have. And this is tough because life is really hard. But imagine if God were not, were not thankful. Imagine if that was not a part of his character. Think of how frustrated, how offended, how distraught he would be. Maybe even envious because we worship other gods all the time. And, he's very, and, and seeing where our affections are directed to our things, to people, to whatever it may be. And how thankful we are for Jesus. Because God is a grateful God. He's thankful for Jesus. He's thankful every time we overcome. He's thankful every time someone comes to him. He's thankful every time we ask for forgiveness. He's a grateful God. He's thankful for our love toward him. And he does not keep account of our wrongs. How amazing is that? How humble is our God? And I like the verse in Philippians. It's chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. This was the new King James Version. And it says, Now I speak in respect of want. So not that I've learned, but in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. So I've learned in whatever state I'm at, I'm content. So what, can, what does content mean? Well, as an adjective, it means in a state of peaceful happiness. 
Or, how about this? It's a description. He seemed more content and less bitter. See, contentment is a best friend of gratefulness, is a best friend of gratitude. Because the more grateful I am, the more content I will be. The more I will live in a state of peaceful happiness. I will be more content and less bitter. So what are synonyms to contentment? Well, satisfied, pleased, gratified, fulfilled, happy, cheerful, glad. And if we look at the verse 12 in that Philippians verse, chapter 4, let's look at verse 12. And it says, I know both how to be abased, I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. So what the apostle is saying is I can be high, I can be low. I can have all things, I can have nothing. I can be full, I can be hungry. I can be popular, I can be unpopular. I can be physically, mentally, socially, whatever. Abounding, I can be financially abounding, or I can suffer, I can suffer need. I can do both ends of the spectrum. I can do all things through Christ. That's my gratitude piece. What Christ did for me on the cross strengthens me. So let's look at the opposite. Let's look at content. Let's look at the word contentious. What happens if you're not content? You become a contentious person. We've heard talk of a contentious wife, right? A contentious coworker, a contentious boss. He's so contentious. Well, contentious describes someone that is likely and, and causes, more likely to cause disagreements or arguments. They exhibit often perverse and wearisome tendencies to quarrels and disputes. So when you think of a description, you think of a, a man of most contentious nature. These are not fun people to be around. They stir up strife everywhere they go. They're upset all the time. Nothing makes them happy. And they're critical and judgmental. Contentious people are painful. So when we look at, wow, if I'm a grateful person, I can live in contentment. I can be content with whatever I have in the good, in the bad, abounding, suffering. When I have a lot, when I have a little, I can be content. If not, I can become contentious. And then I will really have nothing. So contentiousness also leads to envy. Well, so what is envy? Envy is a feeling of discontented or resentful longing. It's a consent, resentful longing that really gets aroused by someone else's possessions, their qualities or their quote-unquote luck, their opportunities, where they're at in life. So a description would be like she felt a twinge of envy for the people on board. So obviously they're describing somebody that's maybe on a cruise ship. So they're on a different deck than she's on. They have better clothing than she does. They know the captain. She doesn't know the captain. All that comparison game. So she gets a little bit of envy. So guess what happens? 
She gets a little of that envy. She's discontented. Steals from her trip. So it's synonymous with jealousy, covetousness, all those ugly words. So if we use envy as a noun, it's a feeling of being discontented, right? So contentious people obviously have envy. We look at it as a verb. It's a desire to have a quality or possession or other desirable attributes belonging to someone else. So he envied people who didn't have to work on the weekends. He begrudged them. He was resentful of them. So the biggest antidote for jealousy and envy is gratitude. And to be thankful for what God has given me. So I like this verse in Thessalonians. It's, it's 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. And this is out of the New International Version. And it says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now look at the focus here. And remember, you call to account. You relive the circumstances. And as you do that, it produces joy and peace. It's just talking about good things and remembering good things. It's also talking about, here's the bad thing, and this is how God made it a good thing. Any of those things, he says, rejoice, always pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You might also want to look at the word will as directive. See, he knows the design of his people. He's saying, I'm directing you to do this. And do this through and in Christ Jesus. He gives you the strength to do it. So I want you to think about more about this. And we're going to talk uh, a little bit more tomorrow about this whole entire issue. When it comes to envy and contentiousness and being content in all things. So when you look at how to be happy, okay? Happiness, contentment, peace, joy. These qualities come from being grateful. So what you want to think about is the amount of scientific evidence. It's very conclusive when it comes to mood, outlook, and health. Happy people live up to 10 years longer than unhappy people. And optimists have a 77% lower risk of heart disease than pessimists. And, and this is the thing about pessimists. They really think they're protecting themselves. They think, if I never expect the good, if I'm always cynical and skeptical and, and untrusting and suspicious, then I'm going to protect myself from the hurt and harm. When actually what happens is if you have that mindset of being pessimistic, then the hurt and harm that comes your way will, will be compounded because of your state. So the person that is the optimist if they encounter hardship, they rebound faster. The optimism protects them from the heartache of the world and the mistake-making people that we interact with on a daily basis. So becoming happier, more optimistic, how do we do this? Well, one of the things that we know, there's a, a researcher, her name is Sonia Libowinski. I always make sure I pronounce her, her name right. And she talks about the how of happiness. And she really has teaches, and what she has found, is that 
of our propensity for happiness is probably based on a genetic set point. That means that some people are just born happier. They are, just the way that it is. Their personality, their genetic makeup, whatever that is, they have a set point. And we really can't influence that much. And then she goes on to say that about 10% is based on our life circumstances. Because we know a lot of people that can have a great life circumstantially, but are very, very unhappy. Like we are always amazed when rock stars and very famous actresses and, and people that are, are, are billionaires and millionaires suicide. We're always like, how, why? They have such a great life. So our life circumstances make up about 10% of the happiness quotient. Here's the thing. The 40%, this is intentional activity that influences our behavior. So you add the 40% and to the 10%, the 50%, what you see is that 50% is a genetic set point. 10% is our life, if we have a good or bad life. But 40% is intentional. So I can truly affect how much I enjoy my life. See, this means that up to 40% happier in our lives without changing any circumstance one bit. That's the key to intentionality. So 40% of me can be happier that, that I don't even need to change my life circumstances. So she had one group of participants, and they were asked to name five things they were grateful for every day. And another group was asked to list five hassles, five hardships, five things they didn't like every day. And so those expressing gratitude were not only happier and more optimistic, they reported fewer physical symptoms of headaches, cough, nausea, acne, right? Stomach and digestional issues. So other gratitude studies show that those with chronic illnesses many times demonstrate clinical improvement when practicing regular gratitude. Now, please hear me. I am not saying that chronic illnesses are overcome by gratitude. I don't know about that. What I'm saying is that they improve. Their life experience gets better the more they practice gratitude. Severely depressed people, when they're instructed to list grateful thoughts, they were found to be significantly less depressed by the end of the study when they compared to the depressed people who weren't asked to express gratitude. So we know that depression is a significant risk factor for disease. So what we find is that we're not saying that gratitude heals the depression, but it affects the depression. It can minimize it. It can make it seem not as profound. So it's not experienced as, as, as deeply as it may be for people that don't express gratitude. So there's lots of amazing scientific proof about ultimately healthy people and how happy they are. And so when they are happy, it's because they have a baseline of gratitude and they are generous people. So how does gratitude, how does it affect happiness? Well, when we are grateful, this is what Dr. Liboremski, again, Libo. Libomirsky, Libomirsky. I believe that's how you say it. She has some great work. I like her work. And so what she really has come up with, what her research shows, 
is that when we are grateful, it promotes savoring of life, positive life experiences, which means that we experience them better. We don't just pass through them because we're negative and we're thinking about all the things that aren't working. We actually, when we are grateful for an experience, we savor it. It has more effect. It affects our psyche. It affects our, our body, our immune system more deeply. It's, it's seared more, more clearly into our brain as a reference point. So being grateful bolsters our self-worth and our self-esteem. We just feel better about ourselves. The more grateful we are, the better we feel about us. The better we feel about us, the better we feel about our life. And the better we feel about others. And the more tolerant we are, the more flexible we are. So when we're grateful, it helps us cope with stress and trauma much better. Like I was saying earlier, the pessimist versus the optimist. When we are grateful people, we are, we are, it encourages us to do more caring acts. It also encourages us to have more moral behavior. It increases the morality, the ethics, and the commitment to integrity when we are practicing gratitude. So it helps build social bonds. It strengthens already existing relationships. It nurtures new relationships. You know, we know that lonely people have twice the rate of heart disease as those with strong social connections. So when we are a grateful person, we will automatically be an attractor. And it helps us build social bonds. And this is a big one. The more grateful we are, this helps inhibit harmful comparisons. And we talked about that with that verse, you know, in Philippians, that it's like when we, I mean the verse in Ecclesiastes, I'm sorry, that when we do the comparison game, what it does to our whole being and how it affects our mood and that energy, how that affects those around us. So when we're grateful, it also diminishes and deters negative feelings, such as anger, bitterness, and greed and envy. So it dampens those. It causes us to be able to resist anger and bitterness and greed and envy more, and judgmentalism, cynicism, skepticism. So it also, gratitude thwarts hedonistic adaptation. Well, what does that mean? What it means is that it stops us from practicing self-medicating behaviors as a way to adapt to our, our situation instead of accepting our situation. We're saying, I don't really want to feel it, so I'm going to medicate it. So we do hedonistic behaviors. So this ability to adjust our set point to more positive new experiences, so we don't, then, then, then we don't appreciate the new experience and it has a less effect on our overall health and happiness. See, this is what happens when we're not grateful. The thing that was so great yesterday doesn't mean anything. So if I'm willing to be grateful for, for in all sincerity, then it will absolutely permeate all the areas of my life. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. I'm so glad you joined me today. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for interacting on the website. Thank you for being present in all the social media and for making the world around you, the world you interact with, a safer, kinder, gentler place. 
Have a great day. Make sure you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Books and music are available there as well. If you need someone to speak at your event, I would love to do that for your organization. And I hope you have a blessed day. And we will finish this tomorrow. Take care. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.